welcome back to Simmering Thoughts, where we serve up slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. I'm the host, Ryan Akers, and I want to thank you for listening to this program. This season on Simmering Thoughts, we are looking at discipleship. Specifically, we're looking at how the book of James helps guide someone on a discipleship journey. How are we shaped by the text? How does the text challenge us and move us forward toward growth in Christ? So sit back, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Simmering Thoughts. That's right. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. I'm your host, Ryan Akers. And today uh, I am joined by a guest from the other side of my state. I'm over on the West Coast. This is uh, a friend from the East Coast. He's over, uh, I've got some family actually over not far from where he is. And uh, this is uh, David Tarkington, who is the pastor at uh, First Baptist Orange Park. Is that correct? That's right. That's All it. right. Excellent. Uh, if you could go ahead and uh, explain. Uh, introduce yourself a little bit further. Sure. Uh, so yeah, as you said, uh, Ryan, I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church of Orange Park. Uh, Orange Park is uh, an area with no oranges, though we do have a park. So <laughs> uh, Orange Park, when when I tell people out of the state that I'm in Orange Park, they think Orange County, they think Orlando, they think Orange Groves. I think about 150 years ago, we had an orange tree uh, <laughs> and we don't anymore. So it's uh, we are actually a, a bedroom community, a suburb, as you know, of Jacksonville. So we're yes. right up here at the at the the northeast corner of Florida. Uh, I've been here at this church since January 1, 1994. Wow, been here a long time. But I came as the student pastor, so um, right out of seminary, went to Southwestern Seminary and mm-hmm. uh, in Fort Worth, and then was called here immediately after graduating in December of 93 and began here in January of 94. And I remained in that role as student minister, student pastor for uh, a number of years, Uh, about 2003 transitioned to single adults and young marrieds. And then in 2005, uh, our senior pastor retired, moved back home to Kentucky and, uh, and the church after about a year, actually, he left about 2003, 2004, about a year later after a process, the church called to serve as senior pastor. So I've been here ever since um, in that role, and it's been a, a good se- a good season. Um, yeah. Never thought I would be uh, in one church this long, uh, but I have, you know, so far so good. Uh, as yeah. The last guy I'm doing, I'm like, the, the key still opens the, the office, and uh, they've, they've not removed my name from any, any <laughs> so it's good. Um, so that that's me. I'm an Air Force brat. I grew up uh, going uh, from city to city, state to state, as my dad was career Air Force, born in West Tennessee, in Paris, Tennessee. That's where my mm-hmm. family was from. And then growing up, lived in Ohio, Alabama, Mississippi, Alaska, and then Texas, a couple of times in Texas. And that's where I um, I was in Texas there uh, through high school, college, and seminary, and um, married. Uh, my wife, Tracy, we've been married since 89. Her brother-in-law was a student at Southwestern, and she's from uh, Fort Smith, Lavaca, Arkansas, originally. And uh, so she came down to visit her and her family. And we met at our church. He was our minister of music. And it was uh, the most, most romantic thing in the world uh, as, <laughs> as he opened the door and threw her into a class of four college students in our college. Oh, my. 
class and uh you know you'd have thought we'd never seen a girl before but we uh, <laughs> uh it, it was a, it's a it was a great story we dated for about three years long distance got married we have two children I now have two grandchildren so yeah there you go uh my goodness there, there, there's my bio uh, as brief as I can do it and so <laughs> Went That's back fantastic. Years ago, because I was I was done. I was my kids had already graduated, so I went back, went to Southern Seminary, got another yeah. degree. So I, I think I'm done with school now. So I I've decided I'm pretty well done with school. I got a master's in education about uh, oh, it's been almost ten years ago now. Yeah, and uh, I I've since since transitioned into ministry, but I'm not sure that uh, seminary is going to be a something that I go to. So <laughs> I yeah. I, uh, I don't famous, mind taking famous last words. I'll remember yeah. that when I see I, that registered and enrolled somewhere it could be i it's one of those where i don't mind taking an odd class here or there but i'm not sure the benefit of the long degree program for me right now uh, anyway uh well i wanted to to mention briefly that uh, we had an opportunity uh, to meet this is the first time we've actually talked face to face even though it's across a zoom screen and uh, that we had uh, uh crossed paths due to a twitter friend and uh, one of your church members donna guy who uh we had, I had followed for a very long time, uh, and uh, she's since passed. She's one of the the most positive accounts that Twitter has ever seen. It's all been downhill since she died. Uh, the kindness ninja, That's and right. uh, the the folks that are quite a few of the folks that listen to the podcast from the 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 whole time through uh, will be familiar with her and her influence. And uh, so I wanted to mention that you had the the opportunity to be her pastor. I did, but it, more so what a good friend uh, she was and an encourager. She, you know, every now and then in ministry, you come across these, these people that um, are like a Barnabas kind of personality. And, yeah. uh, and that was, that was Donna, Donna guy. Uh, she was, she had, she, well, she has one sister still living. Her mother just died this past year. She, her mother was a member of the church. Uh, so there was Brenda, Donna, Brenda, Anna, and Donna, B-A-D. And their last name <laughs> And they were the bad guys. That's what they went by. And, uh, and Donna was a preacher's kid. Uh, the girls were, her dad had died many years before. I'd never had a privilege of meeting him, but yeah. uh, godly lady. Uh, she was, uh, we shared a birthday. She was a few years older, but we had the same birthday. And so that's fantastic. She would always text me or uh, message me. She's the kind of person, if you posted anything on Facebook, she, she liked it before you finished typing it. It was an amazing. <laughs> thing. I never, never saw anybody like that. But she uh, she found a, a a venue in social media through Twitter. Uh, back before Twitter was a cesspool, she was actually yep. <laughs> she made it something that was uh, uh, you'd log in just to see wh who she was encouraging that day. And yep. uh, so she was my my twin. She called me her twin. She called me her brother from another mother. I called her my sister from another <laughs> mister. So that's how we we would re relate to each other. But um, what a godly woman and. Yes. Uh, great friend. So uh, I'm glad we were able to meet even because of her. Yeah, my yeah God. absolutely. So many different people via her Twitter relationships and otherwise. Yep. Uh, well, and that's actually a really good segue into uh, our topic today. We're looking at uh, James chapter two. We're looking at uh, the book of James as a series in light or looking at discipleship in light of the book of James. Uh, and so we're going to look at, at uh, chapter two, verse 14 through the end, which is 26. And uh, I guess I'm going to ask the question before I read the text to give you a, a few moments to formulate a, a direction to go with it. Uh, and that is, you know, especially with Donna, we we have such an example of someone who's 
whose works and the things she did with her encouragement were a demonstration of her faith. Uh, and so how that is a reflection of or uh, a goal of discipleship, how that those things play together. That's kind of the question where we're heading with this. Uh, so once I read the text, if you want to just take up right after that and and hit an opening shot, and then we'll go from there. Uh, it says at verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works, but not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Yeah, wow. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to listen to you read the whole Bible because I think that's <laughs> start right there. Um Hey, so here, here's an interesting concept. You know, you, you, we had talked, and 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 I'm just going to talk. I, I did actually study, so I didn't just show up. <laughs> but but here's uh, something to consider that never I never understood. I never had thought of prior to about a year ago. We have a we have a missionary that is a longtime friend. He served with our international mission board through the Southern Baptist Convention for for many years, and then through a um, a downsizing and a retirement, he retired, but stays on the field in a new era area uh, and a new organization that, that we helped create. So he's in the United Kingdom. He's in Wales and Europe, and, and he's a language missions guy. He, he's His name is John Robinson. Great guy. But when he was here with us not too long ago, or really a couple of years ago now, as, I, as I'm looking at COVID and our calendars, um, we we're talking about discipleship. Now, now, he made this statement that kind of threw me. He said, discipleship is one of those words that's not in the Bible. So uh, making disciples is, uh, but but discipleship is has been over time this created term that that we and I get it, you get it. I don't, I'm not, we're not mad about it. You can you can still use it. That's not, right. that's not the point. But it's kind of like Trinity, right? So the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but it, it's affirmed throughout Scripture. So discipleship right. is not in the Bible. Now the only reason I bring that up is that sometimes, as, as we were talking about this, you were saying, how does this passage fit into a discipleship? strategy or a discipleship journey. Um, and I think it does very much so. But but I think there is also this this big warning. Uh, <laughs> sometimes in church life, and you know this is true, um, we create our own lexicon, our own language within mm -hmm. the, the church, churchianity, you know. So we have this Christianese that we speak that makes a lot of sense to one another, but but outside the walls, it becomes a foreign language. And so you yeah. find yourself having to to define, describe, and and explain. And and discipleship may be one of those church words because 
while I think 99% of everybody listening to the podcast would, would think and define discipleship just as we are, there is a, a, a reality that it's shifted to a, in many churches, it's a program. Yeah. Or it's a it's a thirteen week study or a six week study and it comes with a journal and a notebook and you better you know so it's like a and I'm not against that we do those things right but I think that when we I think words matter right and mm-hmm. so there is a if we presume everybody understands or thinks of the term the way we think of the term then we will find ourselves halfway through a conversation before we realize I don't think they it's kind of like quoting the princess bride that word doesn't mean what i think you think it means you know i misquoted it but you understand what that's okay saying. yep i got you all right so so discipleship uh you know go and make disciples disciple making um that becomes i i don't know that becomes a challenge for us and then and then you get the works and faith thing and and so yep. from a very uh probably oversimplified perspective i, I would say that uh, we, uh, me, uh, as a Baptist and, and evangelical, but especially in a Baptist um, understanding, I'm not a works-based theologian. I mean, I, right. I, it is it is not your works that save you. That's affirmed in parts of Scripture. You've got that. It is it is by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, you have that. But then you have this James passage that sits on the other side and says, "Oh yeah, but don't worry, don't don't forget that if you don't have works, your faith is empty." And yes. so you end up with this this tension, and since Scripture doesn't contradict itself but affirms itself, the tension is only tension in our mind because we tend to categorize things. Yeah, uh, we tend to put things in lanes where they they it's either one or the other, and they can't can't work together. So um, I, I kind of look at the this, um, and I think maybe you you've had this, I've had this. People who are uh you ever met anybody that that you, you're trying to introduce them to christ or the lord is bringing them to himself and using you in a way to have those conversations and the more you talk to them about christ they begin to throw up every excuse in the world as to why they can't become a christian yet because they have to get their act together or you yes. know they've, uh, they've got some bad things they've done and so they're they're a works theologian but they're on the other end and so they're trying to clean up their mess before they come to jesus it's kind of like catching your fish before, or cleaning your fish before you catch them yep and so you've got that going on. And so when then you've got those, even within the church, who uh, are doing, uh, what, what is the what is the Greek word? Oh, yeah, they're doing squat. They're doing nothing. You know, so they just come to church. And, and their, whole, their whole doctrine of salvation is based on the fact that they have the capacity to repeat a prayer and to attend church regularly. Yes. All right. So not discounting that you can pray, pray and surrender your life to Christ, but there is this repeat after me and you repeat. I mean, I can teach a parrot to repeat after me, but there's no salvific moment for them. So human beings sometimes fall into that. Tell me, tell me what to say and how to say it. I said it now dunk me under the water in baptism. All right. I've been baptized. Now I'm a Christian and I can't, I don't have to do anything. So it makes you question, well, are they really a believer? Well, there's, there's a conversation for another day. That's <laughs> and then, and, you know, what James is saying, if there's no works that uh, that measure up to the faith that you proclaim, then your faith is empty. And if your faith is empty, is it faith at all? So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of, we're kind of saying the same things. I, I'm, I mean, you're agreeing with me, but I, that's kind of the tension I see. So in a discipling, yeah. you, you, I'm work, you work with people one-on-one. So when I think of making disciples, um. And if I were trying to describe what does it mean to disciple somebody, you know, because that's a church word. How do you define uh, discipling to a non-believer or a new believer? You know, mentoring is a word that works. Uh, yes. So if it's as deep as discipleship, but 
but we even in the in the in the in a in a non-biblical worldview most people understand the concept of a mentor and a mentee mm-hmm. a teacher and a student um i mean <laughs> yoda and luke so you kind of get <laughs> right so um that's <laughs> culture knows this stuff yes but from a biblical perspective you know it, it's i'm following the teacher i'm following the shepherd the sheep follow the shepherd and uh Jesus being the the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, the the Messiah, the savior, where he walks, we put our feet in his footsteps and therefore we are his disciples. So, you know, he gathered those guys around him. They failed in so many ways, but they were being discipled and were called Mm -hmm. disciples just as we are. So in this journey of discipleship, I I don't, I think this faith and works thing becomes a, a wrestling match in our minds sometimes because it's the wrestling match between being and doing. Mm hmm. Um, so here, here's a here's the question. You know, when, when you meet somebody in our in our in our community, our culture, we tend to ask two things if you're trying to engage in a relationship. One, what is your name? Secondly, what do you do? Yeah. So we identify people by what they call themselves or what their parents named them. And then we identify them or categorize them or put them in a box mentally somewhere of where uh of um of what they do for a living. I don't know, because it can lead us to a conversation or not, or, or it can lead us to not want to have a conversation. <laughs> and we just tend, so so we default into this doing concept, even though maybe as Christians, we say, no, it's more about who you are than what you do. Um, what does this passage teach us about a stage in the discipleship process? I think this is a starting line issue. Mm-hmm. I think um, works are vital. I, I don't think you can miss what James is saying, the importance of works. Jesus, the perfect man, perfect God, God, the son, son of God, was not a man who did no works. Right. He did works. And, and that Lots was of them. a lot of works. And, and some of those were not just works that he did to say, okay, now watch me. Now you do it. But those were part of it. Yeah. He was at work doing that. And, and I think um, lazy Christianity leads to easy discipling, which ends up being false faith i mean because without works there's there your faith is not justified as it says here so um while we say it's faith alone you know of one of the 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 solas i yeah Yeah. faith alone that's true but faith without works proves that um you the faith you claim may not be faith at all it's an empty one of the things that strikes me i've I've been uh revisiting pilgrim's progress uh and listening to a podcast uh of it and it strikes me that the the moment of salvation and the the moment of the relieving of Christian's burden happens so early in the book. And then you have the bulk of the book comes after that. And the bulk of the adventures come after that. And then the number of struggles and difficulties and the, the things that he has to learn how to do along the way uh, as he's making his, his path to the celestial city he's going and learning new skills and he's learning uh you know he starts being mentored and by the end he becomes the mentor uh and has someone traveling along with him and in doing that it's it's a made clearer in my mind uh some of the pictures of discipleship that we have along the way uh, there are some that are long form discipleship relationships and then there are some that are short but that idea of the works, you know, as you think about all of the different things that we do as a Christian, we are, there's constantly something for us to be doing. Right. 
and those things have to grow out of where our faith is. And, and, and you know, I've heard it said that, you know, and I think there's a book that uses this analogy and I can't remember what it is right now, but that, that we are rooted in our faith, but that leads to the fruit of our works. And, you know, you, with, when you look at the fruit tree, if there's no fruit there, you have to wonder what's wrong with the tree. Well, you know, when, when Christ encountered a fruit tree, a fig tree that had no fruit, he had, he, he took care of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a removal. It's a killing of the tree. It's a it's a waste of of space. It's a, so so a Christian who is not intently seeking to make disciples, the question is about that individual's faith. There's no fruit there, and and mm-hmm. I, and I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm frightened to a point where I think that we unintentionally, by the way, I don't think it's an intentional move. We have often led. Um, the starting line to be viewed as the finishing line, the, the finish line. So, so let's just say baptism is, 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 is an ordinance we're going to speak of. So a person becomes a follower of Christ. They've confessed their sin. They've received Christ as their savior, their baptism that we going, we immerse. So we're getting, we're, we're dunking them in the water as symbolic of that new life in Christ and obedience to him. But, but so often because we count those, right? I mean, we got to right. have Sunday, we got to count these and that's all fine. I'm not mad about any of that, but the fact is that often in the church, unintentionally we might view the fin- that, that as a finish line but where baptism is really the starting line much like yes. pilgrim's progress because here comes the work afterwards and, and you know I, i've told folks uh in that discipling journey i said and, and, and guilty you know on my own of this i said it's it would be akin to uh having a couple having a newborn baby bringing the baby home from the hospital after the birth and then about uh, a day later, sitting the baby in the middle of the living room with a box of diapers and a can of formula and say, <laughs> I'm going to go, we're going on a date. You got, you're good. Take care of yourself. Yeah. If, a, if a couple did that with no other adult in the room taking care, then that couple would be accused and rightly so of child abuse and, right. and that child would be removed. Well, in the Christian journey, sometimes what we do is, is we're so heavy on lead people to Christ, lead people to Christ, lead people to Christ. Don't hear what I'm not saying. That's a great thing. We should be. But once a person comes to know the Lord, if we're giving them the biggest uh, leather-bound Bible we can and say, here, figure it out, and we move on, then we are as guilty of not not caring and discipling and walking through what these works of 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 the journey of faith should look like. So so sometimes that work may be that that you know you you say you have faith. Faith without works is dead. Well, that work may be. I don't know, giving a cup of cold water in the name of Christ, doing some tangible mm-hmm. things for your neighbor. It could be doing a mission a mission trip where you're building a church building, or it could be uh, being very inconvenient for you, Christian, to take hours out of your day or hours out of your week to spend time with that believer you that is new and on the journey to um, answer the questions you can, be honest with the questions you can't, spend time in prayer and walk them through uh, where you were in that discipling journey. I think discipling another individual can be fun and fulfilling and encouraging, but it is work. It yeah. is not easy. And I think even that when we think of dividing works and, and faith and works, we often think of, you know, disaster relief and, and feeding hungry and, and, and doing uh, lawn care for senior adults. And those are all right. Do all of those things. But sometimes the work, the spiritual journey is that deep time of prayer and journeying and sitting with someone and being that mentor that may only be a lap or two uh, around the track uh, ahead of the person that, that you're walking with, right? Because, yeah. you know, you and I, we, we know people that say, well, I just don't know that I know enough Bible yet. Well, 
you may you may not, but I will tell you what will help you learn to learn your scripture more and learn and grow deeper in your faith is when you feel the, the obligation and the responsibility of walking someone else through that journey yes. as well. So you might only be a lap ahead if it was a race, but you're a lap ahead. So don't minimize that. Right. And uh, and don't you know, you don't have to be Well, I'm not seminary trained. Oh, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody <laughs> that loves them and loves the Lord and has a scripture. And when they don't have an answer, they're honest enough to not make up one, but to find it. Yeah. So, um, I think this is the, the impacting discipleship in this regard. I, I think we're, as a Christian, I'm motivated to do works. I, I'm motivated to do good works. I mean, my wife is, my wife's better at this, uh, because I can talk myself out of doing good works because I'll just, I'll just, you know, pray about it. But, <laughs> but there are times when, uh, you know, somebody ought to do, if, if you've ever thought as a Christian, you know, somebody in the church ought to do that. Be careful about thinking that. Yes. Because it's likely you. That <laughs> Often. <needs> to, yeah. <laughs> However, it may, it, it, as you know, pastors and leaders and even, you know, Christians that are highly motivated, it's not only you. So you don't have to do everything, you know, and and um, and you need to understand God's calling on your life. I had one pastor tell me this because his time schedule was so and I, I try to counsel young pastors and church planners a lot. And, you know, it's really awkward for me because I feel like I don't have it figured out. So I'm just kind of telling him what I wish I hadn't done, but, um, you know, so, so your wife, pastor, men, your wife, your kids, your family. I mean, that's a heavy priority. The church is a calling. That's a heavy priority. And, and you don't want to be guilty of having an affair on your wife with this organization and organism called the church. Mm -hmm. You don't have an affair at all, but especially in, in this regard either. And uh, you don't want to miss the calling in, of, of home discipleship, the, the ones you're supposed to disciple the, the best or the hardest ones to, that may be your own children. And I heard one pastor say this to another. He said, just remember, God sacrificed his son. You don't have to sacrifice your children. So spend yes. the time with your children to walk them through and uh, and trust the Lord in his, in his providence that he will give you the energy to do that, which you need to do outside of your family unit. And also bring other believers along as well. I think that's the the beauty of the local church, because that's the one another's. Right. See, time just hit. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, but but I um my nature, um, let's just be brutally honest. I there are often more times than not I'd rather do nothing. Right. Because the spiritual gift of laziness will overwhelm me. But. <laughs> I have a motivation that is not just me to do better works because I don't, I think God will like me more, but because I know uh, it's not guilt-based. Now it may have been early on, but as you mature in your faith, why do you want to do good deeds? Yes. Well, for the glory of God and for the growth of his kingdom, but also that understanding, and this takes time and wisdom to realize that God's not up in heaven and going, Oh, I am so glad you finally showed up to fix everything. God is still God and has this in control. So good Christian, you are not his secret weapon that finally showed up to fix the church and to disciple every human being on the planet. However, yes. uh, so workaholism is not a spiritual gift, but works for the glory of God that reveal your faith are to be expected yep. and, and, and not to be ignored. Um, this is the one another's of scripture. Yep. There's an analogy that I've used in the past, especially with teens that, that, uh, if you think about that, we have a trampoline uh, and, and you're bouncing things off the trampoline, your faith is what we throw onto the trampoline <laughs> and what bounces off of the trampoline. That's your works. I love it. That's and, good. and it, it allows, you know, in your mind, you can see that transition from, uh, from passive into active 
and and it's so easy with with our faith it's it's easy to get to that intellectual point and stop there and not get into the uh walking out and that's that's the part that uh it's not in James necessarily he doesn't use the word walk uh to to give this picture but but Paul gives that in Ephesians that we're going to walk worthy of the calling we've been called with and and that walking is the act of discipleship it's the act of works and in so many ways our our own discipleship is displayed in our working for others and it and in that working for others is a key point of the works that we're doing i mean james pivots all of the the first half of this passage is about serving others and you know you did a great job of of pointing to that you know that we can do the works in the food pantries and the pregnancy centers and and all that kind of work and it's good work but we also have to maintain the why of the work and really in a lot of ways the why has to come before the work um you think about the phrase the the ends justify the means well they, they don't ever <laughs> and the means lead us to an end and the yeah. the the means reveal the the why that gets us to the end and you know if our end is to be a disciple and to to become christ-like those means are the discipleship along the way amen to that i mean we're a railroad city here in jacksonville so train mm-hmm. illustrations are everywhere and this is brief but you know if it's faith and works then works is the caboose and faith is the engine i know they yeah. have, but we know what those are but so the convictional thing of this passage is is i don't want to come to the end of my life with my faith being empty Yes. But I also don't want to be a, working so hard with a false theology thinking it makes God more happy or happier because I work more. Mm-hmm. He is pleased when I works are the result of my faith and my faith is so deep in him that my works are like the caboose. They follow my faith. They don't get yes. ahead. So I, I think that's, I just got to make sure. And I think, how do you disciple somebody in that? Uh, you do it. You know, because the mentor does this and the mentee watches. Yes. Do this well. And uh, when you don't do it well, admit it, but do it well and be a model for those that you're trying to lead through this. Uh, that's a fantastic. I love the the train illustration. I, the Palmetto seems to be a train area as well. I guess with Tropicana right here, that's part of it. Uh, Tropicana there in Bradenton. Right. And, uh, uh, but my uh, father-in-law actually was a train engineer. So I'm all for train metaphors it's one go. good go. stuff uh and that's exactly right that that the one follows the other and i think that's a, a good point to uh kind of wrap up on with this passage uh that that you know we're we're seeing like with abraham we see the faith through the works uh, and and that's where we're heading with this uh so i want to say uh thank you david for joining us today on simmering thoughts it has been a pleasure to sit and converse with you on such a, a cool topic as uh, <laughs> some folks are going to listen to that and laugh because faith versus works doesn't necessarily sound like a cool topic, but when you get oh. to the the nuts and bolts of it, it gets to be really yeah. cool, really fast. And when you have two really cool guys talking about it, it just, it just elevates the cool factor. So and, if we and find two more guys to talk that are cool, it might help. Two Reds fans, even. I see that the, 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 the audience doesn't get to see this because uh, it's an audio podcast, but... Hey. There's a Reds cap in the back of his office. Right. I I grew up about ten miles from Riverfront Stadium, uh, oh and that was that was my childhood team. We would go to games regularly because it was so close. Now yeah. I'm almost that far from Tampa Stadium, a little bit more than, 
and uh, we'll be going to take a ten dollar tickets. Man, we're what gonna we're gonna take advantage of that here this summer. And the so, Rays, I mean, they just beat the Rays. Good team. Today, yeah, so I'm a little bit frustrated, but uh, <laughs> I like the Rays. Okay, but uh, yeah, so you know, being a Reds fan, that is that that's an illustration in 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 perseverance and. Uh, <laughs> It's the you exact know, word I was thinking of. We also live in the past. So 1990 was a good year, but since then. It was then, great, not, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the peak of my Reds fandom is 1990. That's when I was in, uh, see, I would have been about sixth, seventh grade. And uh, right before we moved away. So we, we moved into in, Indiana after that. So, uh, but yeah, it's a uh, uh, was great to have you on and uh, look forward to having opportunity to talk with you some more now that we're closer to each other in ministry regions. And uh, for the listener, I pray that you will uh, hear this hear this episode and that will encourage you and edify you uh, and that you'll come back to listen to next week's episode because uh, next week we dig into how we control our tongue. Uh, so uh, looking forward to uh, getting that episode up and out. And uh, so thank you all for listening. I pray that you have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Simmering Thoughts. You can find us online with your favorite social media at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also email us at simmeringthoughts at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on these episodes. With that in mind, if you enjoyed what you heard, please go to your favorite podcast catcher and like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.